How is everyone? Who is loving this weather? Oh yeah. This is my fall crowd. There's a few summer lovers in the first crowd and I'm not into summer but fall. Uh, I could live in a hoodie all year long if I could but I can't when it's 95 degrees out. Well, it is great uh, to see everyone here. Are we are going to do something a little different today. Is that okay? Yeah. Oh, is that okay? Yeah. Okay, all right, good. Well, um, if you heard me preach uh, a few weeks back, uh, you'll remember that I did my whole message on a TV show, uh, Shark Week. Um, well, today, I'm also going to talk about one of my favorite TV shows. So I don't want you sitting there thinking like, all this guy does is sit and watch TV. We really don't, but when something's good on, I like to get a message out of it. But um, here, here's what happens in our house most weeks. We will be um, sitting around a little bored, and so our first channel that we go to on the TV is the Food Network. Yeah? All right. I can just tell this crowd is going to really get into this message today. All right, so, um, and that's not because I eat a lot, all right? Let's get that out there. Um, it's, it's, well, it is actually. Um, but we, we love as a family to watch Food Network programs uh, from Guy to Rachel Ray. I mean, you name it, we watch Cutthroat Kitchen. I mean, we're, we're into them all. And um, not only do we like to watch them, but we also like to then go from the couch and go and try and cook some of this stuff, okay? Now, why is there laughter? Is that Jan Maloof? Laughing like as if I couldn't cook. Um, well, actually, um, it's not just uh, me that cooks. In fact, I'm the third best cook in our house. Um, it goes my wife, who is a fantastic cook. She's amazing. And uh, Teresa... And then, um, you haven't tried a food, why are you clapping? Anyway, um, so she's an amazing cook. And then, um, my daughter, Joy, also is an incredible cook, okay? And she actually is my Food Network buddy. Like everyone else, Ethan and Clay don't care about it. And, and Teresa's in the kitchen. So, Joy and me are watching the Food Network all the time. And so today, I was given the assignment of, talking to you guys about faith. And as I thought about faith, I thought about cooking. And so I thought, what better way to try and illustrate this than to actually cook while I'm preaching? So Joy is going to come out, if you want to come out, Joy. She's a little nervous, all right? All right, so this is Joy, and um, she is going to get, get going here. We've got the ingredients We've got the trays ready, uh, we've got the water, the eggs, we've got the, the cooker. This is the cooker that we're both using, right? N no. Why? I get a different one? Oh. Thank you, Ethan. That's about it as far as Ethan's cooking ability goes. Well, um, as you can see, Joy does take control of the kitchen in our house, and she does 
really, really loved to cook. And so today, I'm going to help her as, as much as I can, but she's got it, she's got it down. Uh, but many of you may not know this, but um, when I was in school, we did something very different than over here. In school in England, um, the last two years of high school, for a day of the week, we would pick classes and we would go and learn a trade at the technical college. So if we were here, the last two years of school, for one day, we would pick two classes, a morning and afternoon, and for six weeks or so, we would go to ICC and we would do catering or car mechanics or welding. And what we were doing was we were learning a trade, okay? Now, you didn't have to go that route when you left school. You could then go on to university. But a lot of people picked a trade in high school and they got going. So for me, I wasn't the greatest academically in school. And so the trades was a good route, I felt. And my dad always said, have a backup to ministry just in case, you know, especially in England, there's not a lot of full-time church jobs going. And so he said, just have a backup. And so I had a choice between catering, because I love catering and, and chef work, and, okay, thank you, yeah, and bricklaying. Now, you, believe it or not, there's a lot of similarities to bricklaying and catering. Um, there's a lot of stirring, as you can imagine, cement, that type of thing. Also, there's, um, there's different things that, that I'd like to do in the kitchen that I really couldn't do out in the elements. And one other thing was turn the oven on to keep warm. Um, outside, doing brick lane, especially in England, it rained a lot. And so I thought, well, catering sounds pretty good. And so I chose, are we good? It's wearing me out. Um, so I chose to do catering. So there you go. So I, I did a two-year college course in restaurant management and uh, professional chef work and uh, have the hat and everything. I mean, it was the real deal. It wasn't like home economics. That's totally different. We're on about real chef work now. And, um, and so I went there and I had a great few years in doing that. And I did realize something very quickly in becoming a chef. To become a chef and to do an amazing dish, I had to have faith all the time. I had to be willing to do something. Let, let me read this scripture that, um, that will help with this message this morning. Hebrews 11.1. 1. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. So faith is all about taking that first step into the unknown. It's like you're going to make a move. You have to make a move for something to happen. And so uh, as, a, as a chef, you would have to commit to make some of the, the amazing dishes that there were. Now, back then in England 20 years ago, really, there was only fish and chips. But, um, but to make these amazing dishes, you had to make a step. You had to have faith. And so every year we do this, don't we? I mean, let's, 
let's be honest, we all take a step of faith. We have to commit to something to see something done. For instance, how many Bears fans are there? Oh, yeah, yeah. Now, every year, we have to have faith in the Bears. Now, we need even more faith when it comes to the Cubs. Right? Now, now, please hear me. I'm a big Bears fan and I'm a big Cubs fan. Well, you, I have no idea what's happening in baseball. I, I can't understand the game at all. Uh, but in our house, it's a Cubs, Cubs uh, place. But every year, we have to have a lot of faith in our teams. Uh, how many Packers fans? How many Cardinal fans? Yeah, we're not giving you any stage time. There is no picture on the screen whatsoever. This is Chicago country, right? So, so we have to have a lot of faith. But to do, thanks Joy, give her a clap. Look at that. Oh. Sorry, she told me to set the timer. Things could go south very quickly if we don't set the timer. Okay. Yes. If that doesn't, okay, that's good, okay. But to cook a meal, you have to commit to do something, you have, to, you have to make a choice. Things just don't appear. Now, I know a lot of you wish meals just appeared on the table, especially when they burn in the oven. But they don't just appear. You as an individual have to make the commitment to get off the couch from watching Food Network and actually go in and make a meal. You have to make a choice. And there's going to be two different crowds here today, and, and it happens in church every week. There's going to be the crowd that are on this faith journey. You've committed your lives to Jesus already. And you are here, and your faith journey, or stepping out in faith, looks a lot different than someone who isn't on that journey of faith. For you, God may be tugging at your heart and challenging you to do something out of the ordinary, stepping into the unknown. It, it may be something in your personal life, something perhaps with your devotional life or friendships that you've got and God's challenging you to make that circle wider. It, God may be challenging you to step out in a family relationship. It, it may be someone, uh, something is happening in your life where within church or ministry, God is challenging you to do something different. But the amazing thing about God is this. When he created us, he gave us free will or choice. He, he didn't create robots. 
where we would just do what he wanted you to do. You have a choice. That's where faith comes into play. You have to trust what you're about to do. Now, for someone here who this whole faith thing is new, you may have just been walking by the church and the doors were open and you saw some flags and someone welcomed you in and you've not been in church for a long time or have no idea what's going on. You haven't started on this faith journey. You're not a Christian. Let me tell you why we're here. Why this crowd meets. Because when the earth was formed and God created man and woman, he put within all of us free will. We, we get to choose different things. You get to choose whether you go in a car or you walk. You get to choose whether you cook a meal or go to a restaurant. He gave us this free will. And not only in the practical sides of life, but also in the spiritual sides of life. He created us and man messed up big time. And for centuries upon centuries, man was trying to get closer to God. They would sacrifice things. They would do all different types of things to try and get close to God. But God knew that there could only be one sacrifice made that would cover the sins of everyone. And that sacrifice was God saying, I need to send down my son. He's going to come to earth. He's going to be brutally murdered, spiked to a pole. And on that Friday, we thought that was it. But then as Jesus' body is in this tomb, something happens three days later. They get to the tomb early Sunday morning. The stone that they put in front had been rolled away and there is no Jesus. And the next few days and weeks, all of a sudden, Jesus is appearing throughout the area. They say over 4,400 people actually saw Jesus after he's been killed and then he's risen back to life. Why did he do that? Because God knew there had to be a sacrifice for you and I one day, 2,000 years later. This all took place, but we're still back to that free will. God's not going to force you to follow Jesus. But coming to a place like this or meeting Christians throughout, not just Peoria, this world, that's how Jesus was spreading his message. That's how God could say, I did something for you, but you have to make the choice now to follow me. You've got to make a step towards faith in Jesus. He'll never force you. 
Okay, so let's get back to the cooking. Not only when you cook that you've got to be um, willing to cook, you've also got to use different ingredients, right? You can't cook. You can say, hey, I'm a great cook. But if you don't take different things and mix them together, you're just saying it. You're not showing it. No ingredients, no food, no amazing meal. And it always amazed me when I was going through chef school how you could take something sour and something sweet and bring it together and make an amazing dish. How you could take something hot and cold, bring it together and make an amazing dish. It's crazy how there's so many combinations of ingredients to create different things. Even someone that doesn't have a lot of food can make something, right? I mean, you can throw a few things together and you can make something. Now, I want to just press pause on the, on the message right now, real quick. I have a friend, Lori, who works at Northwoods, and she's been heading um, a, a campaign up that she told me about, and I said, hey, I'll share it at Riverside, because it fits with what we do here. See, I don't know if you know, but every night of the week, we try to feed anywhere between 20 to 30 kids through our after-school program for kids who don't have food during the day or won't get a meal at night. And the only way that we can do that is through many different things, different grants and things that help us. But one of our main things is an organization called Midwest Food Bank. They're based in Peoria, and what they are is they're like a collecting agency for food. So Coke may give them stuff, or um, Kellogg's, or you name it. They get all this stuff from all over the nation, and then Midwest Food Bank distributes it to nonprofits in this area and, and all over. I mean, it, it's a huge operation. And that's how we pull off our after-school programs. That's how we pull off Mission Peoria when we're trying to feed 350 pe young people. They help us big time. And she told me about this event that's happening next Saturday at every Kroger's in this area. There's 11 Kroger's throughout this area and so if you go to Kroger's next Saturday between 10 and 5, you're able to shop, just do your normal shop, but then grab some other things and you would be able to go to these Midwest areas. You'll see them at every Kroger's. She told me they'll be everywhere. And just drop the food off there. And then that food will go and be replenishing the stocks of Midwest Food Bank because there's been a huge turnover of food this year. So... If you can help, I just thought that would be a real cool practical way of this message of how we can help an organization that helps us all the time at the Dream Center and at Riverside. Kroger's next week from 10 to 5. Is that okay? All right, good, good. But as I was saying, you can, you can make food out of not a lot of ingredients. And it's a lot like life. God takes what happens to us and he builds faith within us. Now, I'm not saying that it's good things that happen to us that build faith. 
In fact, the majority of the time, it's the sad things in life that have to build our faith. And let me try and illustrate this. And forgive me again, because I'm about to say something like, all he does is sit in front of a TV. But I was watching TV this last Monday night. And uh, there's an English guy that I have followed for years. And um, his name's Bear Grylls. And he was on the show Man Vs. Wild. Anyone remember that on Discovery Channel? And um, okay, so this guy, Bear Grylls, he has climbed Everest three or four times. He was in the SAS. He's the only guy that's ever tried out. Joy? Um, he's, the, he's the only guy that has tried out for the SAS twice. The first time he had a parachute jump that went wrong, nearly broke all of his back. And, um, and so he did it again, which is crazy. If you don't get in one time, you don't try and get in the SAS again. It's like the elite group uh, of, of uh, the army in England. He's like James Bond. And I'm not joking. It's like a James Bond thing. So he's got this show now called Running Wild with Bear Grylls. Now, you may not know this. Bear Grylls actually came to Christ through the Alpha course, the course that we're doing. Bear Grylls went through that. Well, looking good, Joy, looking good. Um, and so he's got this show on a Monday night. And what he's doing is he is taking different celebrities and taking them out into the wild for two days. Two days, no Hollywood sign, nothing. He's out there with the celebrity. They have to catch their own food. They have to make their own shelter. I mean, it's, it's really, really a cool show. So he's had people like Ben Stiller on there. He's had people like Tom Arnold was on there. That was a funny one. Um, he's had um, Zach Afron from High School Musical, if you're in the High School Musical. Um, so he had, and then this last week, he had Deion Sanders. Okay, does anyone know who Deion Sanders is? Okay, so, oh, there's a few people that really like Deion Sanders. He um, apparently won two Super Bowls, which is football. American football, not real football. And then, um, and then also he played baseball, apparently, for some team as well. Is that correct? And he's on the TV a lot now. Okay, so I saw this Monday night, and I'm like, I'm not going to try and explain this. I'm just going to show it you, okay? Is that okay? So the next few minutes, we're just going to show you what I saw on Monday night on primetime NBC TV. Here it is. You know what I think is going to be easiest? Cross here. No. And that's the top. Lord, no. I'll tell you what, let me, let me check it out first, okay? Here we go again. Well, I kind of feel guilty sometimes with Dion because, you know, it's almost like every time we overcome one big obstacle, there's another one. And I keep saying we're almost at the end. Okay, the bits, be careful of all of this loose, loose stuff here. Okay, I want you to take it in just like I've been doing for you. So if I miss this jump, you save my life. Keep paying it out, paying it out, and enough slack to do the jump. Okay, that, that's good. Okay, what do you say? One, two. Mm -mm, not we. Well, the thing is, 
when we're connected by a rope. And once I've gone, it is one, two. Wait. That's scarier than it looks. <laughs> this ain't good. This ain't cool. Hold Find on. your peace. Send to yourself. Hold on, man. You know what to do. Say the prayers. There's no hurry. You got that right. The thing is, I've never lied to you, okay? I'm telling you the God's honest truth now. I can see the top. It's a walk. The helicopter will be landing just 50 meters over there. Yeah, but that right there, man. This is it. Show me your leap. I call this a leap of faith. All of us know about having to face fear. I'm scared doing this stuff. You know, I'm scared so often. But it's about learning how to handle that fear and to use that fear to help you overcome these obstacles. You're the man. Lots of confidence, one big leap. Remember, look at where you're taking off and when you're landing. Don't look down. Show it to me. One. Oh, my God. Two. Wait. Your way up. So out of all of the sporting moments, what was your greatest, do you think? Do you ever think about those, no. or do you not really? Honestly, man, behind the veil, behind the mask, I'm really different than my public persona. My public persona is prime time, you know? Was it really different from that then? Oh, totally different. It was like uh, acting. It, 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 that's what it was. So like, even like when you won the Super Bowl and stuff? When I won the Super Bowl, when I won my first Super Bowl, what did you do? I was the first one on the bus, first one to bed. I didn't even go to party. It was something missing inside, man. It wasn't fulfilling as I thought it was. And it, it wasn't about the things, the outward things, because I had um, power, money, and, and sex, but it wasn't fulfilling. So you had all of that power, money, and sex, and it was it just? It was empty. It's an empty feeling still. Still empty. So what happened? That's when I went through my, my first divorce in which the only things that I knew that truly loved me were my two kids. Now they're gone. Now they've been taken away. Because you lost custody of your kids. It was devastating. And I went through suicidal thoughts, a suicidal period. I, I ran um, this car off the side of the highway and was at the bottom. I thought it would just the car would flip it and flip and I was still there. And I was like, man. Hmm. Shortly after that, I had to just come to the Lord with my hands up, say, I'm done. I can't do it anymore. You got me. I give up. God, you take me. So like, all of that power, money, sex didn't empty. give you what your There's empty. faith has. Mm -mm. Empty. Emptiness. There's a great power to being able to achieve amazing things and yet hold them so lightly because you have something far more precious. That's it. And, you know, we share a faith together. You know, it's like a backbone to me as well. And it's like all the achievements and the summits and they're, they're nothing compared to, you right. know, that's something inside. And I totally see it in you. I stay strong and I never question God. 
and I want custody. So you want custody? Yeah, I want custody of all my babies. And I'm happy, you know, I pride myself on being the best dad in the world, man. I know all their shoe sizes, all their clothes sizes, the teachers. Uh, I know how to braid my daughter's hair. <laughs> it has to be something bigger than you, that you're working for, that you're living for. If it's all about you, you've already lost. What was amazing was seeing Dion come to a point where I think a lot of us have come to. If, if I went around here and asked, and I'm, you don't need to raise your hands here, but if I asked, you know, how many people came to Christ during something that was going on pretty crazy in your life? If you came to Christ when things weren't going the way you had planned probably the majority of us would have our hands up. It's, it's the way that God gets our attention. Whether it's through a hard divorce or a death within the family, hard times at school or at work, When you feel the world is literally caving in, life isn't making any sense, then all of a sudden it's like God now has you where he can work on you. He takes these things, what I would call the ingredients of life, he takes all of these different things and brings them together. And just like Dion said, it shows that you're not God and you haven't got it together. And it's at that point that you can then have faith in someone that's unseen. And I'm not just talking to the, the non-Christian, the person who hasn't a clue what's going on today. I'm talking to the Christian that you may be saying, what is going on in my life? And it's God taking all these things and bringing it so that you now realize you haven't got what it takes to do life on your own. You need Jesus more now than when you first decided to follow Jesus. So these ingredients in life, even even as we look at what's going on in our lives. There's always a plan. God's got a bigger plan than what we see. He's trying to get your attention. So we've talked about you've got to be willing to cook or willing to step into faith. You, you've got to have the ingredients to cook, the ingredients of life to drive you to a place of faith. But there's one thing that you cannot have without trusting in Jesus. To have faith, you have to have this element. And let me try and explain. I could be the best chef in all the world, and in my mind I am. I could have, I could have all the amazing ingredients 
to make a five-course meal. But thinking that I can do it and be even being willing to do it and having all the ingredients doesn't make an incredible cooked meal. It's just ingredients on a table. See, cooking is all about faith. Cooking is all about the oven. To cook a meal, you have to have an oven or a stovetop. Now, go with me. I know you can make salads. I know you can make sushi. And I know you can make dessert without an oven. But I'm on about a cooked meal. To be a cook, you need a cooked meal. To make an incredible cooked meal, you need an oven. Growing up in England, I learned this the hard way. Every Sunday in our house, there was something that happened after church. We would get done at church, we would walk home, and we would get to the front door, we would take the key, we'd go to put the key into the front door, and before the key is in the front door, there was a smell that hit you that was incredible. It was the smell of an English roast dinner. I mean, it would come through the letterbox. Our letterboxes were on the actual doors, not like 50 feet. They're, they're actually on the door. And you could smell it coming, couldn't you, Dad? You could smell it coming through. It was incredible. Highlight. Do you want me to show you what an English roast beef dinner looks like? All right, here, here we go. Look at that. Oh, yeah, that's what I've, you Americans haven't lived. So what we've got there, the thing right up the top is a Yorkshire pudding. Oh, they're so good, so good. And then you've got apple sauce at the bottom. That goes with pork. There's mint sauce in there somewhere for the lamb. I mean, I'm telling you, you guys haven't lived if you live in America. This is the way to eat. The problem is this is probably the only good English meal out there, but... But this is an English roast dinner. Now, when we were in England, we found this new restaurant called the Toby Carvery. The Toby Carvery is anyone's dream who loves roast dinners. Basically, it's an all-you-can-eat buffet, but all the food is just a roast dinner. So you'd have pork and lamb and beef and turkey and all this stuff. And then you'd have all the veggies and all the trimmings and 20 different gravies and, and you could just pig out and it was really a bad place to go to as well. But we introduced our kids to this and I want to show you a picture of Ethan when he got his plate full of food. So this would be Ethan with the food. Obviously supporting the Riverside shirt, which is good there. Uh, let me show you after. Yeah, there we go. It was, it was, it was a, an undertaking. But I remember getting home on Sundays after church in England and smelling that roast dinner. Now, there was a few times that we would get home and we would get to the door and there was no smell of roast dinner. Then someone in our family who's very negligent, who's sitting on the front row, 
would all of a sudden say, oh no, I forgot to put the roast in the oven before we left. And it scarred us for life. I know it scarred Rachel for life. It scarred Shirley for life. And um, we would have beans on toast. And I'm not joking. Beans on toast. Like you, all morning you're thinking of this roast dinner you're going to eat. And you get home and it's beans on toast. But as we came to, as I came to, to look at this message this morning, especially on faith, I remember more the times when the, uh, when the guy who's in charge of putting the meat in the oven, I remember when it actually worked the way it was meant to work. I remember walking in and knowing that that roast dinner was going to be ready because dad had put faith in that oven. He had taken the roast beef and he had put it in the oven, hit go. We went to church and when we got back, it was there. We had to put faith in the oven. And it's just like Jesus. All this stuff that's going on in life, all the ingredients and everything, we've got to take it and say, I am trusting you, Jesus. I am putting my faith in you. I don't know where we're going to be in the next month or year. I don't know how we're going to get through this situation, but we are going to have to put our faith in you. Let me try and wrap this all up with a, a story that's in the Bible that uh, spoke to me this week as I was reading it. This is in Matthew 9, Matthew 9, 18. It says this, and Jesus has just been talking about fasting to a, a bunch of people, which is pretty funny being as I'm talking about cooking and he's just talking about fasting, but that's okay. Um, so he's just been talking to them and then this is what it says. While he was saying these things to them, behold, a ruler came and knelt before him, saying, my daughter has just died. They think the daughter is around 12 years of age. Come and lay your hands on her, and she will live. And Jesus rose and and followed him and his disciples. And behold, this is now another, another woman. Behold, a woman who had been suffering with the discharge of blood for 12 years came up behind him and touched the fringe of his garment. For she said to herself, if I could only touch his garment, I would be made well. Verse 22. Jesus turned. And seeing her, he said, take heart, daughter, your faith has made you well. What happened right there actually didn't just change this lady's life. Jesus is actually painting a picture for us right now. What happened with that girl was incredible. You see, Jesus has just been told that there is a girl that is dead. She's gone, and he gets word of it, and they say, come on, can you come and raise this girl from the dead? And so he takes off, and all his disciples take off. Now, 
You've got to understand, we always think of the disciples as the 12, but actually in those times there was a crowd that always followed Jesus and called themselves disciples of Jesus. There could be anywhere between 40 to 400. So there's a crowd now moving out because there's a big miracle about to happen. Jesus is about to raise someone from the dead. I now want you to put yourself in the shoes of this girl who's had a discharge of blood for 12 years. Because she would have seen all of this going on. She wouldn't have just showed up trying to find Jesus. This would have been planned. She would have found out where Jesus was going to be. And she's standing in the road and all of a sudden there's a commotion and she asks someone, says, what's going on? And they're like, Jesus is about to do the big miracle. He's about to raise a kid from the dead. How would you feel? Would you feel like, but I've just got this small problem compared to someone that's dead. Would you even attempt to try and get close to Jesus? See, we do it all the time. We think, my small problem, I don't need to take to Jesus. He's dealing with bigger issues right now. And so instead of taking that step of faith, we just step back, let the crowd walk past with Jesus so he can go on to his next big thing. But this girl committed. She was willing to go after Jesus. And what she does is very risky. You see, she is unclean. In the Mosaic law, she is unclean. If people knew what was going on with her, She could have been isolated, rejected, even stoned to death because she was unclean. Yet she makes a decision. She's going to get to Jesus, but notice how she comes after him. She comes up from behind and grabs his hand. Why? Why from behind? Why didn't she just run in front of him saying, please help me? Because she would have known about history within the, what we now know as the Old Testament. You see, whenever there was sin around, you find in Scripture over and over that God would turn his back in judgment or anger. He would turn his back on the children of Israel. Isaiah 59.2 says this, But your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear you. Hosea 9.17 says, My God will reject them because they have not listened to him they shall be wanderers 
among the nations. There's this separation between the people of Israel and God. But there's also other scriptures where when God is going to bless the children of Israel, he turns his face towards them. Listen to Numbers 6, 24. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you and lift up your countenance upon you and give you peace. She was unclean. The Mosaic law would have been very clear on this. But what Jesus does isn't the norm. She comes up behind him. She grabs his robe. And Jesus turns around. With all her filth, all her sin, everything that's going on, she is now eye to eye with the Son of God. Why did Jesus turn around? Because he didn't want to bless her from behind. He wanted to look her straight in the eye. He wanted to change history of what had happened back in generations with the children of Israel. He turned around. What have you got to give Jesus today? Because I know that whatever you've got, whatever mess you're in, whatever troubles you've got, he'll turn around. Jesus doesn't ask us to come to him already clean. And guess what? Even when we are clean and mess up, Jesus will still turn around. Jesus changed everything. There was a day where people had to sacrifice things and literally beg to God to forgive them. Now all we do is get to see Jesus' face. So he turned to her and said, your faith has made you well. I want us to all bow in prayer if you can. You may be here today, and like I said earlier, this faith journey isn't new to you. You may have been on this journey with Jesus for a long time. but you still find it hard. Being a Christian doesn't make us immune from things that make life hard. Sometimes all Jesus is waiting is for us to just tug on his 
robe so he can turn around and look us in the eyes and say, you're forgiven. Why are you carrying this still? You may be here today and this is all new. And what I said earlier about Jesus coming and dying struck something in your heart like, I've got to put my faith in this guy who died for me, who I didn't know. Then here's what I want to do. I'm going to pray. As I'm praying, I just, if, if this message has just hit at you, say, man, I need to commit to something. I need to get out of the boat. Do you know, there was, there was all the disciples in the boat when Peter got out. There's 11 now that probably were wishing they would have got out, but there was only one that had the guts and the faith to step out. And you've got to commit to what God's challenging you to do. Or you may be saying, God, what is happening in my life? All these things that are going on, what is going on? All Jesus is trying to do is get your attention so that you can put your faith in him, just like we put ingredients in an oven. So if that's you, if you're saying, God, I just, I just need to acknowledge today that I need to put my faith in you, whether you've been a Christian for many years or this is your first time, as I pray, I just want you to raise your hand, not yet, as I pray. But if you are making that decision for the first time, at the end of the service, there are two tables up front with cards that say, I have decided to follow Jesus. We want to know who's accepting Jesus today. So we can help you on this journey. You can't do it on your own. That's why community of church is so important. So please do that so we can help you on this journey. So let's, let's all pray. And if this is applied to you today, just raise your hand and, uh, and we'll, we'll pray it out. Jesus, thank you so much for coming to earth 2,000 years ago. Thank you that you are still in the business of turning round that you're still in the business of restoring people's wrecked lives. Jesus, I pray for everyone here today that they will see that faith is all about you. That there's an element where we have to step out and move towards you, but we have to then put all of our faith in you. Jesus, I pray right now for people who are maybe making a new commitment or people who are making a commitment over and over these years. That you will be with them as they work out this faith journey. God, I pray as a church, we can help the people here work out this faith journey and be along the ride for them. God, I pray you'll be with us now.